This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening and welcome to the Andrea K Show. It is Monday night here in San Diego in the KCBQ studios, AM eleven seventy. The answer. Glad to have you all here with me. You know, every time I come into the studio, I pull up here. I think, is there anybody who's going to listen to me tonight besides Todd? That is DJ Carrot Sticks has no other choice but to listen to me because he shares this time with me in the booth, and I'm always honored to have him here with me. Hey, let's there. go. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, let's just see what happens. We got a lot happening tonight. I'm happy tonight for the first time. Those of you who have been uh, listening to me for a while know that I've started doing Tuesdays on Craig's Sewing Show and gotten a lot of great response from that. People are, are seem to be really enjoying what Craig and I do together on his show every Tuesday. And tonight, for the first time, none other than Craig Sewing himself will be here on the Andrea K Show. I get to turn things uh, I get to flip things around. I get to pose the questions to him, put him on the hot seat. We'll see how he does underneath my questioning. Uh, he's lucky we don't have Elhoff here with us tonight. But anyway, a little bit of an inside joke there. Hey, so Craig is going to be on with us. Um, we're going to be covering a lot of ground tonight. Follow me on Twitter at k 5 I beg of you all to also please like my fan page um, because I fluctuate being maxed out on my friends list. So I'm really trying to direct more stuff over to my fan page. So I would appreciate Appreciate that, and haven't had quite enough coffee yet or enough donuts. Also, guess what else I did, Todd? I actually got on Instagram. I've actually posted one pic. Wow! On, yeah, I'm, I'm. You know, I'm really getting on board with all these millennials, these kids. You know, in terms of all the different social media sites, there is so many. Like, if you want to go and share an article that's that you find on Drudge or somewhere and you click on the share button, there are a gazillion social media sites now that you can share things on. I think I'm I think I'm gonna stop it at Instagram. So that's got me on Facebook, Twitter, and Insta, and that's it. I ain't doing the Reddit, the this, the that, the Tumblr. I don't even know what the heck any of that is. Um, but if you are on Instagram, check me out there. I'm also there on, on uh Andrea K show. Are you on Insta, Tom? No. You're not? Yeah, no. thank you. No one wants to see my pictures. Well, what did you post? What was the picture? A bow. I posted a picture of my baby bow, of course. You know what I always post pics of? Me, donuts, and bow. I mean, that's the trifecta, right? Um, so speaking of millennials, in the Bellatrix business block coming on in the second hour of the show, we're gonna that's when we get into economics, get into a little bit of local news, and we always try to bring you somebody cool and happening from San Diego. And we've got a guy coming on who actually is working with millennials. I've had so many conversations with business people who are frustrated with having to work with this generation, and this guy actually does um, workshops and seminars pairing up millennials with you know baby, baby boomers and other people so that we can all generationally work together, and that will help everybody in the business community. Because in addition to politics, we're all about the business here on The Andrea K Show because that's what drives our economy. It's the small business owner. And we've had a lot of talk about Benghazi in this past week. A lot of talk going on still about Benghazi, going on with about the GOP race because poll numbers are in. So much, though, is still going to hinge on economics. It's going to hinge on jobs. And that's one reason why the left is continuing. They are doubling down on socialism. So we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, some economic stuff like Obama, things that are related 
uh, to economics, in particular, the doubling down of the socialism because, you know, that's really where the left is going. And they're, and they're not even trying to hide it anymore. I mean, there was a time even two years ago when I had uh, Brenda J. Elliott on my show who wrote Red Army with Aaron Klein talking about, you know, the socialist and, and the Marxist in the Democrat Party. And people were like, oh, you can't call anybody a socialist in the Democrat Party. Now they're like, hey, you know, let's, all, let's get in a dem debate and I'll compete for who can be the biggest commie on the stage. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But um, at least they're being honest about that now. Because when I look at what happened with Benghazi last week, we are at a place, and I, I'm sitting here right now, Todd, I don't know if you, you watch the hearings, but we are at a place in America to where the former Secretary of State, current presidential candidate, lies under oath. Everybody knows she's lied under oath. Everybody knows she's lying under oath about having lied to the American people after the deaths of four Americans that happened under her watch and nobody's doing a thing about it. The FBI's not doing anything about it. We don't have a special prosecutor assigned to do anything about it. She's bragging about how she had a party afterwards where they're talking sports and they're partying up like it's 1999. All she needed to do was have a picture taken of her holding a cigar to remind us of the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky days. The Republican Party's not doing anything about it. It's like, are you kidding me? This is worse than when the Republican Party did nothing about Benghazi the day after Candy Crowley and colluded with President Obama, obviously in in advance, to perpetrate and continue to further the lie about what happened in Benghazi that directly Obama and Hillary Clinton's actions and inactions directly resulted in the deaths of four Americans. Then they callously, nastily launched a cover-up and lied to the American people look, while they looked in the eyes of the, of the loved ones, of the family members of those who died. And everybody knows it. And we've got everybody. I've got an article from Mark Halperin tonight talking about how the Republicans are just underestimating the fact that this woman could be president. And I'm thinking, how in the world could this woman be president? Who was the baseball guy, Todd, who went and, and volunteered to go to a house to a committee on steroids, made one small you know, remark or whatever after volunteering to go about steroids, and he had to fight to keep himself out of prison? Who was that guy? I think it was Mark DeShera was his name. Mark I don't something. know. I don't even follow baseball. But it's like anybody else... You know, Martha Stewart did not go to prison for insider trading. Martha Stewart went to prison for six months because she didn't answer a question exactly according to an email that it put out or something like that. Went to jail. Scooter Libby did not reveal, did not out Valerie Plame, but he went to prison because he misled whoever was doing the investigation of him six months. Hillary Clinton, the former Secretary of State, lies under oath to Congress. Everybody knows it. Admits basically to a cover-up far worse than Nixon ever did on top of the whole email situation going on. And she's, and she's still out on the campaign trail and the American people are okay with it. How in the world could that possibly be? Well, I can tell you one reason why it could possibly be. If you're just tuning in, this is The Andrea K Show right here on AM 1170, The Answer. One of the reasons why Americans are okay with it is I said back when the first Clinton lied under oath and perjured himself and everybody knew it and got away with it, I said then this would have far-reaching implications for our society. And the Republican Party did just as crappy of a job then in articulating to the American people why what he did was so heinous 
that he should have been yanked out of office and tossed his butt in jail, which is what would have happened to the rest of us. Any other man, even even just from a standpoint of the sexual harassment that he did. But what killed me at the time and what I said at the time was that that him getting away with that lie set the stage for Americans to be okay with all the way up to the highest levels of our elected officials, one set rule of law for, for the average American and, and no accountability for any of their actions from a legal standpoint at the highest levels. And that's exactly where we're at, we're at right now. So, and, and, it's, and it's not lost on me that it's another Clinton doing it because that's what they do. That's what they do. And the Republican Party needs to better get their act together because Mark Halpern's right about the fact that the American people, you, she still has 40-something percent of support. Biden's dropped out. Uh, the other guy, Webb, Webb dropped out. Although that poor guy, I mean, he's standing up on the stage looking around and realizing he, he's practically an enemy. This guy was like middle left guy. This was a guy standing on the stage arguing for free benefits to be given to illegals, which to me is pretty far left. But when he, but when a, a middle left Democrat is standing in the middle of the room with a bunch of Castro wannabes, you know, he, he, he was like, I think I told Dr. Gina when I was on her show last week that he was like, he was like those guys who go into the bar on Animal House, you know, and, you know, they're sitting there feeling completely out of place and scared to death. And then the other guys come up, can I dance with your date? And they're like, sure. I mean, that was Jim Webb. I mean, he was like completely like panicked, the poor guy. So no wonder, you know, he dropped out afterwards and in, in, is calling himself an independent. But, you know, the Republican Party needs to realize that the American people uh, are, she's got a good chance. All these other guys, I'm going to get into some of the details on the Halper and, and some of the advice he's given to the Republican Party and some of the advantages she has. I'm going to get into that when we come back from the break. He's absolutely right. The Republican Party really better get their act together or we're going to end up with that woman as our president. In spite of the fact that she is directly responsible for the deaths of four Americans and participated in a cover-up and lying to the American people. Things that are far worse than anything Richard Nixon did. When we come break, come back from the break, we're going to talk to Craig Sewing. I'm going to pick his brain about it. I'm going to talk to him a little bit about strategy because Craig, in, in, amongst many things, TV host, you know, radio host, all-around good guy, he's a master salesperson. He's a master at strategy. He's a master at messaging. And But that doesn't mean that I kind of think of myself as I am too. And sometimes we agree and sometimes we don't. So I'm going to ask him what he thinks about it when we come back. So don't change that dial because this is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. 
Attention business owners, does the thought of hiring a lawyer make your palms sweat? Do you worry about the day a lawsuit, audit, or other nasty surprise could threaten your entire livelihood? Trade in the sweaty palms for peace of mind. Bellatrix PC's Peace of Mind Plan gives you a lawyer for a low monthly price. Plan your legal compliance, get advice, and prevent problems. Sign up now at peaceplan.biz. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Outsource your worries. Peaceplan.biz. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Those of you who listen to the Craig Sewing Show, you know that music. You know that means that the man himself is right here with me. Hey, Craig, welcome, for the first time I might add, to the Andrea K Show. Oh, nothing like coming into a little ACDC at 8 o'clock on a Monday night. Thanks for the nice entrance. <laughs> well, of course. Thanks for uh, calling in tonight. Uh, yeah, I wish I could be in studio with you. We'll have to save that for a future show. Yeah, so I don't know if you heard um, any... Uh, of my intro, but I am absolutely outraged, Craig, that we are sitting here a week after, not a week, the Benghazi hearings were Thursday, but, you know, here we are after these hearings in which this woman, the former Secretary of State, lies under oath. Everybody knows she lies under oath. We find out while she's under, you know, lying about everything. We find out she, she didn't have any choice but to basically admit under oath that she had lied about the video. This woman, a Secretary of State, of state was directly responsible for the deaths of four Americans. And nobody seems to care, Craig. Not the FBI. No special prosecutor has been assigned. The Republican Party. Nobody's doing a thing about it. She's And she has a party that night. And now, you know, you know, people are talking about how she's actually got a straight shot to the presidency. What are your thoughts on this? Well, there's a lot of thoughts around it. I, I think um, I think it's really interesting the times we're in right now. Uh, there, part of me believes that if the Republicans can't win now, then they don't deserve to ever win because you would think that Hillary Clinton being the leading candidate, there's enough uh, black marks on her record by now that you think it'd be easy to form a narrative and get in there. Um, after watching the Benghazi story, it, it, it's interesting because I watched most of the um, the testimony. Uh, oh, God I, love uh, you. I couldn't stand it. After like five minutes, I was ready to jab myself in the eyeball with a bick. God That's how I felt it. at the Democratic debate. <laughs> but the but the Benghazi thing, I said, you know, I'm going to take time and I'm going to I'm going to watch this. And it, it, it what's challenging about it is the things that you just brought up are very real concerns. And why is that? One, there's four dead Americans, and not just four dead Americans, those that were serving us. Two, it doesn't seem like we've done much to correct to keep these things from happening in the future. And three, the part that is you mentioned that I think is getting ignored quite a bit is this was the, 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 the blaming it on the video was done right during election season. And it was so obvious that that's what the reason they positioned that way was to win an election. And between that and Candy Crawley, Mitt Romney lost an election. And so I am um, troubled by it, but I can't quite put my finger on where I think we're going. If you tune into my show, you'll find quickly that I'm a schizophrenic. One day I believe one thing, another day I believe another thing. And it's not because I, I'm a flip-flopper. It's just the information that's being presented to us 
it's it, we're in very, very interesting times. You have all of these candidates on the Republican side of the equation, so you have a lot of choices. Uh, you have Hillary Clinton, who I would have said a month ago was a sure in. Rewind a few weeks, thinking Biden might get in. I thought that'd be a big threat to her. And then where we're at today, I I can't quite figure out that this Benghazi thing is hurting her or helping her anymore. Because you have to remember, it's not just about uh, the people who actually care about this and pay attention. It's about the people that vote. And I think the media does such a brilliant job for the left in covering this stuff up, reforming the narrative. They make it look as if Republicans or call it Fox News or the Andrea K show, whatever you want to say, anyone who brings it up is on a witch hunt and ignores the fact of how important this issue is. And so it's, I, it, there's a difference between what's right and how it's received by the American people. And the way things are received by the American people is through a, uh, a left-wing media. So, well, it, And it's even more than just the media, although in, in regards to, um, you know, yes, the media plays a huge part in this. Back in 2008, as Sean Hannity said, this is the year that journalism died. We have no true investigative journalism anymore because they absolutely refused to investigate anything on, on Obama. And if anybody questioned anything about him, you were called a racist. We actually do have some investigative journalists back in the game. We've got Cheryl Atkinson, who's got a new show out. She was drummed out of CBS. She had the, she had the government, as she's sitting on her laptop one night, she can see people on there, on, on her laptop, inside her emails, typing. And, that, and, and uh, she believes that that was uh, the federal government spying on her. She reports mm. now and told Howard Kurtz Saturday on Fox News Media Buzz that CBS, she knows that CBS buried... Uh, and, and from an interview, they had a quote from President Obama on 60 Minutes where he says it, when he was asked the day after the attacks, he says it's too early to know exactly how this came about and what group uh, was involved. And that was a lie. And after the debate in 2012, they could when Candy Crowley did what she did, CBS intentionally buried this because, you know, he lied in that debate. Candy Crowley helped him lie so that clearly the media is playing a huge part. But if I'm sitting here and I'm able to see this quote, then that means that and I know the truth. That means every American out there should know the truth. And so, yes, the media is, is a huge to blame, Craig, on that. But where's the responsibility of the voters out there to pay attention to the truth and vote accordingly? How did we get to a place to where the American people don't give a damn about the lives of four Americans or whether or not anybody lied about it? Because they just it, the truth doesn't matter anymore. I say it kind of goes back to Bill Clinton, who was the first top official to get away with lying. And the American people bought the narrative that since it was just about his personal life, it was okay. Well, you know, that's an interesting point of view. I think um, I think you're right. I mean, there's no doubt that there is lying. Uh, the, the American people get lied to. And I just believe that people have become so disengaged from the news. If you went to CNN.com right now and you looked at all the links down the left-hand side of the page, you're going to see that 90% of them are negative stories. It's someone dying. It's a car wreck. It's a bomb going off. It's a fire. It's a robbery. Uh, there's very few positive stories out there. And right now uh, you have some real economic issues. You have a disappearing middle class. People are, people are just trying to get by on their own. They don't have time to pay attention to a lot of the negative stuff. They've got families to run. They have jobs, maybe second jobs. So I think people have found that the news has become very untrustworthy and very negative. And what's the point in really watching it? 
So when we get into election season, which I think we're neck deep in now, or you know, a year away, just a little bit over a year away, and I think people start paying attention. And the problem is, uh, the the stories on Benghazi's they get they get kind of swept under the rug. Uh, but we have to spend all day talking about the war on women or, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. as you stated, that the Republicans are racist or only for the one percenters. Uh, and, and that narrative somehow gets put out there in a way. I don't I don't know how it works, Andrea, to be honest with you. I don't understand how there's not more people paying attention. I just know that you talk to everyday people and people seem to be absolutely clueless. And they even buy into some of this hype. Maybe between the Democrats and left-wing media, they just do a better do- job of producing that narrative. Uh, oh, absolutely, I do they, they do. do a better job as candidates. Oh, ab- uh, they, yeah. they, All across well, the board, the party, the party and everybody. their debate, they just, they really align with each other. Uh, other than Webb, as you said, who just got ousted, he he, he was done after the debate because he didn't, he didn't fit in with the group. But um, <laughs> they, they somehow align. I mean, they, uh, look, you look at, look at uh, Joe Biden. I, I don't think anyone has mentioned this. I think it's incredibly troubling that the guy said, I'm not running because I can't win. Mm-hmm. That is That to me is it, it, an illustration of what's become wrong with politics in the United States. I wouldn't vote for Joe Biden. If I want to compare it to the World Series, I'm going to cheer for the Royals because I'm originally from Missouri. But I, I kind of wanted to see the Cubs get in, not the, not the Mets. Uh, I would have rather seen Joe Biden at least have an opportunity over Hillary Clinton or God help us, Bernie Sanders. And the guy's not getting into it because he can't win. Well, why can't he win? Because there's a machine right. that is built around Hillary Clinton with money and infrastructure. And a lot of people probably tell him, Joe Biden, don't run. That's right. And because think, what they I care about, wrong. because what they care about, what you saw in that Democrat debate and what, and what they care about. I've been saying there was a theory going around that this FBI investigation was from Obama because he didn't like Hillary and he was going to take her out and put Biden in his place. And I said, I didn't believe that. Let me tell you why. My, what I believe is anything for the revolution. What they care about is their agenda. And it is far left. They don't do what we're doing right now in the Republican Party, bashing the Freedom Caucus who who pushed Boehner out. I see all these mainstream supposed conservatives who are criticizing the Freedom Caucus. Oh, you've got this small group of conservatives that are just causing problems. Well, you know what? The the left, what they do is they are, they are coalescing around a very, the machine is coalescing around a very far left agenda, a Marxist agenda that pushed somebody middle left like Jim Webb out. They coalesce around what we would what we would on our side would be called the far right wing extremists. That's what they coalesce around. And they don't care whether it's Hillary or who else it is. This is not because they love Hillary and they don't and, and they may all hate her. What they care most about is the revolution and what they want and what their agenda is. And the Republican Party needs to do the same thing. We need to take a page out of their book. We need to, you know, stop trying to, you know, um, we need to we need to get behind an agenda of conservatism instead of all the infighting. I don't like what they do. They coronate people. Um, but if we got around a platform of conservatism, like you and I have talked about on your show, we stick with that platform, then as our candidates debate, then whoever serves the platform best should emerge as the right candidate. No? Well, you know, it's really interesting what's happening with the GOP, because I think initially when you saw all these names getting into the race and you're hearing 17 candidates, 
Just it always feels like we're in political season. So the idea of 17 candidates and 17 campaign campaigns and how poorly they aligned last time around, uh, it, it was a little bit. I don't want to say nerve wracking, but it, 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 you just had to look at it and think, hmm, this might not be such a great thing. But in, in my opinion, as things have progressed, uh, you're seeing a really terrific group of candidates. Now, some need to get out and give the others more time to gain momentum and have more time to speak at the debate. I mean, just look at a Democratic debate when they actually get time to elaborate versus a 60-second soundbite that the media is going to spin however they want. Mm -hmm. That's a big advantage for the Democrats. But I do think the Republicans, they're they're kind of finding their way, but I I think they are finding their way. In in other words, where you have the uh, conservative base and then you have some of the guys that are more middle of the road, you're you're called Chris Christie's of the world. I think think it's the side that has the momentum. Even with all this going on with Hillary and them all rallying behind Hillary Clinton, I think the Republicans, whether they put Donald Trump up there or Ben Carson or Fiorina, I think the pendulum has shifted to where people are much more interested in new ideas and strategies. And you, you can make the argument they should shift hard to right. You can make the argument they should shift to the middle. But I'm pretty confident that the American people are tired of what we're used to. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I just can't see Hillary Clinton being the one. Well, Joe Biden stepping out, to me, really hurt the Democrats. And the fact that he couldn't win is just the most concerning thing to hear out of somebody who you know would have had a lot of momentum on that side of the equation. Well, here's, you know, I think that when Romney said 47% of the people couldn't be reached, he wasn't far off. It's really more like 44%. These are not just the low information voters. These are the ones that have bought into the narrative that we need to become the, like the grand, you know, socialist Scandinavia. And I'm going to talk about some of the realities of the economics and all that a little bit later. And, you know, they can't be, it, it's like the the biblical saying, there are some who are so blind, there none who are so blind as those who can't see. They're, they're unreachable. And then, you know, we've got those on the right 40 something percent and there's those independents in the middle and those are who the republican party because i think most republicans are saying right now you know what anybody but hillary um but there's the independents that they need to reach and i really think that trump or carson are really who is going to be able to reach those and i think those are the people that really do care whether or not we've got a secretary of state who left four people to die so the republican party needs to do two things in my opinion they need to number one not think that just because they do have the wind at their back and people are tired of the establishment in both parties they need to not take it for granted like you know they typically do they need to understand Mm -hmm. what her advantages are go after her absolutely go after her for that because the independents i think do care you know they um they there was um a democrat strategist last week who did a a focus group with a group of women that were democrats and the strategist was so disturbed because these women said that they didn't care about gender it meant nothing to them to have a first woman president and they cared they did care about hillary's lying and so the Republicans need to, they need to stay focused. They need to go after her, but it, it, by not taking it for granted that this is theirs. Because that's, I think that Romney thought he was a shoe in He thought the economy was so bad that, you know, he was a lock for 2012. And he thought he didn't have to beat the drum on Benghazi because he thought that the American people were wise enough. And after he did good in the first debate, he thought he could coast it in. So that's what well, I'm Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney became scared of his own shadow. When, when we, when we try and figure out, this speaks exactly to our point. When we try and figure out 
Is it is it the Ted Cruz conservative? Is it the disruptor in Donald Trump? Is it the middle of the road guy like Chris Christie or a guy like Kasich? I mean, it, what is, what is going to be the identity of the party? And I think what you found with Mitt Romney is you had a guy that was like a dog chasing his tail trying to figure out who he needed to please. And rather right. than just argue the points, he, he just he just couldn't couldn't figure himself out, his own brand. And, and I think it made him a very poor communicator. Most people in that debate with Candy Crowley would have put their finger up and said, hold on for a second. This is a point I'm not going to roll over on because it's too right. important of a point. Right. And I thought Mitt, Mitt Romney became a... He just became a, a beat-up puppet by the end of it all. Right. I think no matter who you, you see out of the right this, this time around, they're going to be very defined in their message, and they're going to have the ability to create a compelling message, and hopefully the other candidates in the party can, can uh, rally around them. And, yeah. it's, it, I, when, you, and when you mentioned the, the Romney on the 47%, I think that in, in itself is the number one issue they have to be able to communicate. You can have the Democrats say that you have a war on women – you need to be able to explain that it has nothing to do with a war on women. It has to do with being having a battle for life. Uh, you can you can say that we're the one percenters. Well, guess what? That's ridiculous. And the reason that we want to lower the corporate tax rate isn't to give billionaires more money. It's to incentivize job growth in the United States. You have to counter all the phony uh, bullet points that these guys throw out there on the left that are just meant to to get the uninformed voter. Where Mitt Romney didn't come in and say, hey, you know what? Are you proud to be in the 47 percent? I right. am speaking to you, and here's what I'm going to do differently. I'm right. going to create a landscape where jobs creators can give you an opportunity, can get your incomes to go up. If you don't speak that message, if you don't counter the nonsense, then you, you let them define the narrative. Right. And, and, and I think that's where Romney really screwed up. Yeah, absolutely. And for and if he backed off in the debate because he wanted to check the facts and he didn't want to say anything in a debate further on the Benghazi thing until he had a chance to check those facts and double check on that, fine. But the next day, he should have come out swinging against Obama and Crowley and the entire Republican Party should have come out on the steps of Congress and said, we're boycotting CNN until they set the record straight. Then when it comes to economics and conservatism, we We've got to get to we've got to educate the economic illiterates out there, Craig, who don't even understand that there is no such thing as government money, that every dollar the government spends comes from another taxpayer. And when they take a dollar out of Craig's pocket and put it through the washing machine in D.C., by the time it gets back out into a community, it's 10 cents and it ain't even going to the and it's going to some, you know, some you know, person who wants to live off the dole on an Obama phone. You know, th- those are the simple messages that we need to get across, get across to the American people. They need to well, understand some basic that, economics. That, well, it, it's certainly concerning that a guy like Bernie Sanders has so much momentum. I think, I think even uh, people on the left are not overly thrilled with, with Clinton. Biden, again, didn't run because he couldn't win, not because there wasn't uh, a group uh, that would have voted for him and pushed for him. And when you look at Sanders, I, I compare him to the equivalent of the, the Republicans, Donald Trump, and that he's he's different, he's a disruptor, and he's going to play to the crowd that isn't excited mm-hmm. about a Hillary Clinton. And what's terrifying about him is there's a, there's a place for that, there's a niche for that, that disruptor on that side of the equation too. But I don't think people quite understand uh, what Bernie Sanders really means and what he what he stands for. I mean, right. some of the interviews this guy is giving and, and, and the things that he's really admitting to wanting to do uh, with taxation, it's 
It's quite absurd. And you know what? And Hillary. I don't even know if you pay attention. Right. But I don't think Sanders is going to get the nomination. But what I think the Republican Party needs to do is tie Hillary to Sanders because her agenda is really no different. And I don't care how she spends it. And that's what the Republican Party needs to say. They need to say, you know, there's really no difference. There's no daylight between Hillary, Obama and Hillary and Sanders. It's the same far left socialist agenda and it's going to continue to, to destroy us. And she wants don't let anybody fool you. She wants us to be like Denmark just as much as Sanders wants us to be like Denmark. And to the women out there, one of the things that I think that they need to do, and I could be wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong, is they need to send a message to all the different identity groups, especially the women. Liberalism is about the denial of choice. Just like Hillary Clinton, the Democrat voters are not, are, are, you rightly said, are not being given a choice as to who their nomination is. That's sim- sim- symbolic of the entire system of liberalism. They pretend to be the party of choice when the reality is the only choice that they're willing to give women is the choice to kill their child. Everything else, every other life choice, you're going to be handing over to the government. That's just a carrot. And I think they need to get that message across to the American people. Am I wrong? 30 seconds before we got to take a break. Well, 50% of households are on entitlements or on some sort of government assistance of some sort. So you have not only people that may not choose, you have people that are stuck on it. And we that that's a shackle. When you have people that are requiring government money, they're not going to vote against that. And so it's a very, very challenging position that the Republicans have, have to fight from. Uh, but I think people are desperate for new leadership. I think that people are desperate for a change, and you're getting a lot of candidates on the right that, that offer that. Uh, so like I said at the very beginning of this phone call, we're in a very, very interesting time. I'm, I'm shocked that Hillary Clinton is going to be the gal uh, and Biden's not in it. However, uh, the American, I mean, the Americans have a choice. That's what it boils down to. It, it, it is so distinct now between the two parties. And if Republicans can't create a compelling message, then I, I, I don't know what else you need to have a better opportunity. Okay. But Well, right now, Carson is up four, 14 points over Trump in Iowa, but Trump is still pretty much ahead everywhere else. Actually, one of the polls coming out of Iowa supposedly is suspect because uh, it was from, I think, Center for you know American Progress, and they're kind of sketchy on that. So um, I know that Carson has been focusing a lot on Iowa. Um, I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about that uh, to everybody else. Craig Sewing. You're on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night at 6 p.m. right here on AM 1170 KCBQ. Tell everybody how to find you on Twitter. What's your Twitter? It's oh, at-, at Craig Sewing, CraigSewing.com, Craig Sewing, Craig Sewing, Craig Sewing. Go Google me or something. Uh, but yeah, no, Andrew, we'll have you on tomorrow, I'm sure. So All right, I appreciate you having me on and having fun with you. All right, have a good night, Craig. Thanks for calling in. Yep. All right, we're going to take a break. I blew right past that one. So we're going to take one now. And when we come back, we're going to pick this up on the other side. We're going to talk some more about the GOP race and other topics. So don't change that dial, folks. This is the Andrea K Show. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. Attention business owners, does the thought of hiring a lawyer make your palms sweat? Do you worry about the day a lawsuit, audit, or other nasty surprise could threaten your entire livelihood? Trade in the sweaty palms for peace of mind. Bellatrix PC's Peace of Mind Plan gives you a lawyer for a low monthly price. Plan your legal compliance, get advice, and prevent problems. Sign up now at peaceplan.biz. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Outsource your worries. Peaceplan.biz. Do you struggle with the day-to-day management of your business? 
Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today, 877-749-3533. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you here with me. Before the break, we were talking to Craig Sewing about GOP strategy and what's going on. I'm still outraged over Hillary and, you know, getting away with this Benghazi situation so far. You know, the FBI is investigating. We'll see, you know, if they actually come back with an indictment and actually do their jobs. You know, the Department of Justice decided that they just didn't need to file any charges against Lois Lerner. Who, oh, by the way, you know, she was cleared. The IRS was cleared. Well, you know what they uh, you know what they were cleared to do? They were cleared to do more of what they've been doing. There's still Tea Party conservative groups that aren't getting their 5013C status. There's party there's groups that have been waiting for six years while left-leaning groups were green-lighted. That's still going on in this country. That's something that the Republican Party needs to be talking about daily. Not just when that scandal broke, 65% of the American people were outraged over it. That is a huge majority. One of the reasons why people don't care that much about Benghazi is because it's been three years. The the American people have the attention span of a gnat these days, and you're going to let them slow walk? You know, oh, we've already had seven investigations. The American people hear that, and they think that's true. This was the first time Ambassador Stevens' emails were actually turned over by the State Department. So the Republican Party has allowed these scandals, you know, to go by the wayside. So I don't have any confidence at the FBI right now given the fact that the DOJ has let Lois Lerner walk. I don't, I don't have any confidence that the FBI is going to indict. I, I, I will believe it when I see Hillary doing a perp walk, and I don't think it's going to happen. You know, Matt Drudge said he got in a, in a little bit of hot water because he said that, you know, it looked to him like Hillary had been imbibing or was, you know, she was a little too zen for him. Um, you know, I think she's just an incredibly controlled person. I mean, I kind of, you know, I kind of get what people are saying. You know, she was sitting, putting her head in her hand and on her chin and stuff but I don't think it was drug induced I think she was very well um, coached and scripted you know who you know their friends were in fact back when Bill Clinton was running for office in the 90s the couple that was behind the writers and directors of the TV show Designing Women actually coached her and him at the time and they were hugely responsible for why he did so well in that 60 minutes interview talking about the affairs that's who was behind the makeover for hillary i mean we're talking about really skilled entertainment people behind her and coaching her um so i don't think that she's gonna be held to account for that um something else that she said though that some people are you know equally outraged those of us who care are also outraged right now that we had over 300,000 veterans, 300,000 die waiting for care in this country. Not one, while the Democrats all competed with each other, who, who could give the most welfare and entitlements paid for by taxpayers to illegals, we've got veterans dying waiting for care. Not one word was mentioned about the veterans. And then that haint Hillary comes out and starts defending 
the the VA saying that most most vets are just really happy with their care and that what this is is a trumped up issue created by the Republican Party um, because they just want to privatize the VA. Well, heck, yeah, we want to privatize the VA. They, what they want with Obamacare is they want to turn the entire medical system into a VA system and we where we've got 300,000 veterans dying. Hillary doesn't care about that because the left doesn't care about deaths, anything for the revolution. What they want is a centralized system to control every aspect of our lives. That's what they want. Waiting patiently on the line is my buddy, Timothy Shea, who's called in. I don't know if he's got anything. Is that your is that your theme song, baby? That is my theme song from my show. Oh, awesome! I want to give a big shout out to Todd for uh, for hooking me up there. Awesome. Um, hey, bef- listen. Can I, before we start talking about what we're going to talk about, can I put a quick bow on two things you talked about with Craig? Because I think it's really important for people to hear. Sure. First of all, guess who allowed the Independent Counsel Act of, to expire in 1999? It used to be that independent counsels were appointed by a three-judge panel of the United States District Court for the District of Columbia, the judicial branch. Guess who appoints an independent counsel now? The Department of Justice. No way is Loretta Lynch going to appoint an independent counsel. And Congress doesn't have the authority to prosecute. They can hold her in contempt of Congress, but we saw what happened with Eric Holder being held in contempt of Congress. They thumbed their noses at the Constitution. Right. That's number one. We're and supposed to have, two, but before you go on, and, and, and for those who, let's slow down a little bit because that's really important because, it, again, it's about amassing power and, and breaking down the three co-equal branches. Congress is supposed to have the job of oversight, and that's why we needed Congress to be able to assign a special prosecutor and not just leave it over to, you know, they're taking more and more and more power away from Congress in order to amass more power to the central federal government. Go on. Exactly. And I don't think Congress should actually have the power to appoint an independent counsel. That proper that power properly belongs with the judiciary. So the executive is beggaring both the judicial and the legislative branches, and that has to end. That's a big danger to our republic. The second point is that this is, I think, 2012 was probably the most important election because it was our last chance to affect real change. This right now is the dying gasp of the Republic. Okay. We need everybody out. We can't have an evangelical staying home because Ted Cruz is Catholic or because he was born in Canada or whatever. I don't care who the Republican candidate is. Every single person has to come out because we're combating not only media bias like Candy Crowley and like Megyn Kelly and like Anderson Cooper, we are battling massive, strategically placed voter fraud. Okay, they have targeted districts where which will swing in Ohio. We had more black people voting in Maine than live in Maine to swing Maine. They have it down to a science on how to flip elections with voter fraud, and we've got to get everybody out. Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, right now, and in in order to keep people at home, one of the things that's coming up now that Carson has taken the lead over Trump is that Carson uh, is his his religion is Seventh-day Adventist. So they are already starting the leftist, already trying to plant that seed into the into the minds of the Christians that, you know, he's not really one of you. I don't give a dang whether he's Seventh-day Adventist or not. This is a man who believes in the Constitution. This is a man who gets what's happening with tyranny. When he says, like he did the other day, that uh, women who have abortion are like slave owners, 
I get what he's saying. Now, the soundbite, the way he said it, at first when I heard it, I thought, oh, that's a little too shocking. People aren't going to get it. But when you hear what he has to say about it, he's dead on because that's the argument that I've had with, with women on Twitter. You know, um, when, when you take away through science, the party of science, when you take that away um, because, you know, the, her body, her choice is stupid because it's another human being with separate DNA, an entirely different body, then their argument is, well, I have the right to do what I want to do with that other human being because it's inside me. What is that? Is? What is that? That is basically saying... You think you own another human being. So when I hear Carson say that, I say, this is a man who really understands liberalism. He really understands the depth of the control and the tyranny that it is. And he actually knows how to communicate it to people. And now because he's ahead of Trump, they're so scared of him that now they're already starting with the, with the religious thing because they want to do to him with the Christians what they did with Romney being a Mormon. Exactly. And you can tell how afraid they are of him based on how vicious the attacks are going to be. That's the way they work. And you're and he's exactly correct. As a biologist, I can tell you that morphologically, genetic, genetically and morally, that baby is a separate life. It's another human being. You know, I, you know, I, I... you wouldn't have RH incompatibility if it weren't. Well, you know, even uh, we don't need even getting aside from that kind of science stuff. It doesn't it, it defies common sense. We all know it's another human being. You, you know, I you know I didn't even I wouldn't even go to dissecting frogs. I know it's another human being, and so and I know it too. This is just more lies from the left. Exactly, that's what it is. And he has a capacity. Carson has a capacity to sift through all that, to simplify it, and do it a way that is not bombastic. Um, I really, you know, I think that the Republican Party establishment is finally getting it that Trump and or Carson can actually get. The nomination, you know, three months ago, they were like, oh, it ain't never going to happen. You know, um, now uh, we've got Bush. I don't know if you've heard with Bush. He um, Mm -hmm. had to fire a lot of staffers. So um, who he was obviously overpaying, just like a good liberal. He was paying people way too much money to do too too little um, because it was other people's money, not his own. And then um, he had a, a panic, you know, emergency meeting with Babs, his mama. Ran home to Texas to get some help from Mama and W. Then he goes down to Florida and proceeds to give a presentation, a PowerPoint presentation, bad mouth and Marco Rubio. So, you know, now he's coming out today trying to talk tough against Trump. I'm, you know, the reason why I'm getting into all that is because I'm seeing complete panic on his part that this man who thought that he, you know, either he or his sister Hillary, you know, and there's no daylight between the two of them. He really thought, one exactly. of, you know, that, that, you know, it's a win-win for him whether he gets it or his sister, Bubba's, you know, his brother Bubba's wife gets it. A report came out today, and, and, and I'm pleased to see him panicked because that tells me that he knows that he's in trouble and he should be in trouble. I saw a report about him where his, um, I can't seem to find the article, and I don't need to spend too much time on it, but, you know, basically his business BH, he's chairman of BH Logistics, which is a $26 million private equity fund. And um, their largest investor was George Soros. Yeah, how about that, huh? Yeah. So he is, so, you know, just like Hillary is lying about, you know, being, you know, the woman who, the candidate for the little guy, and she's had, has more donors that are from Wall Street and big corporations and one percenters than anybody. Jeb is, you know, pretending to be, you know, a conservative who's not tied into the crony capitalism and, and liberalism. Meanwhile, I mean, there is no greater man bent 
on the destruction of the United States and Western civilization and has the pocketbook than to do it than George Soros. If you're in a bed Jew with George Soros. The best time of his life was pulling the gold teeth out of Jewish victims of the Holocaust. Exactly. That was what he said is the best time of his life. Exactly. And that's who Jeb is in bed with. And speaking of Benghazi, Jeb, because we talked about that earlier, Jeb actually gave Hillary Clinton a Freedom Award knowing after. She knowing that she had lied about the video and knowing she was responsible for the deaths of four Americans. I don't want to ever see Jeb Bush again. And so I am happy to see that his campaign is struggling. Now, I want to shift gears before we wrap up this hour. Yeah, let's get into have some something. Fun now. Yeah, let's let's lighten things up a little bit and have some fun. I actually wanted you to come on the show because Della couldn't be with us tonight. She's she's in an underground bunker somewhere. But I know that you actually saw a movie that a lot of people that I know are seeing, and I wanted to get your review on that because, you know, you're quite the serious guy. I don't see you post on Facebook too much gushing about movies, but you came back after seeing the Steve Jobs movie, and you were just really excited by it. I mean, why? It touched me on a number of levels, okay? It touched me on a personal level because I'm adopted and Steve's adopted. And this movie is not like the social network, which... Adam Sorkin wrote on Facebook, it's not a chronological history the way Jobs was. Okay, we already had the movie Jobs, which told the chronological story of Steve Jobs starting at Reed College and ending, you know, with his death. This is an impressionistic triptych of his life. It is a three-act play. It focuses on three major Apple announcements, the announcement of the Macintosh in 1984, the announcement of the Mac 2 in 1988, and then the announcement of the iMac in 1998 when he had left and come back. It talks about everything in his life, but you have to listen closely because there are throwaway lines. For example, when he talks about Steve, uh, when he talks about Bill Gates, he said, yeah, he dropped out of a better college than I. Okay, so they never mentioned Reed College but they do mention that he dropped out of college, and so did Bill Gates. And you're left to know that Bill Gates dropped out of Harvard. So it's impressionistic in that sense. And what it does is it, it, Sorkin is brilliant, and Danny Boyle did an incredible job. The acting is amazing. The direction is phenomenal. This movie should be a serious contender for Best Picture, except for, and we'll get to that in a minute, okay, but the movie on its own merits well, we've only got a couple more minutes. Award. We got only got a couple. All right, more I'm minutes. gonna wrap, I'm gonna wrap it up. Okay, it it talks about his life, his relationship with his daughter through the three acts. It's a progression of him as a person. It really gives you a sense of who Steve Jobs was, what made him tick, and why he was able to change the world with Apple. Well, who? Let me ask you this: Who who actually wrote this about him? Because I got a friend of mine who came out of that movie whose blood was boiling over it because she felt like it did not portray him honestly. Because those of us who worked at Xerox know about how the way he lied and bullied his way into the Palo Alto Research Center and stole intellectual property from Xerox, intellectual property that he used, intellectual property that he used from the graphic interface to the mouse to the Ethernet, basically everything that was proprietary. Property involving the Xerox documenter, he stole it and remarketed as, as the Apple. He did, and actually, as a patent attorney, I can tell you that Xerox versus Apple patent case was was monster. They do reference that in the movie. Yeah, but it, but see, the, that's why, why Valerie's blood was boiling because for stealing the Macintosh GUI, the graphical user interface from he goes, from Xerox Park. 
So they actually do gig him for that in the movie. I think your friend was misplaced on that. Well, I, I think, well, you know, I think her, well, to me, a movie review is, is, is a personal experience. And so her, if her, if her reaction is a little bit different than yours, I don't think that means it's wrong. That's just her. No, it's not know. wrong. But I, all I'm saying is that they did gig Steve for that. They did call him out on stealing that from intellectual property from Xerox. They didn't gloss over that at all. In fact, they held his feet to the fire on it more than Jobs, the, movie, the first movie Jobs did. Let me just wrap up with the reason why this movie is bombing at the box office. Seth Rogen has to be the stupidest person, not only in Hollywood, not only in the United States of America, but the entire planet. This movie was getting rave reviews. It was doing monster numbers in previews. And Seth Rogen comes out and says, F. Ben Carson in a tweet, and everybody gets inflamed. Yeah, but I don't and really the know because I were horrible I, because of that. There was well, a massive boycott this weekend. They only did seven million. They expected to do twelve. Well, you know, I I, I don't really know about that. Because, you know how much impact that had on it because you know honestly, I mean, I don't know. It, like in San Diego, movies have to they're churned out within a week or two, and people people don't you know either you go the first two weeks or you tend to not go to see the movies. I'm not really sure how much that had to do with it. Um, but, you well, know, it just came out Friday. We're talking opening weekend numbers. This thing was on a rocket trajectory until if you look at if you look at what the audience numbers were and previews and the uh, the uh, press, it was doing rocket business until Seth Rogen did that tweet. And then all of a sudden, all anybody can talk about is Seth Rogen's tweet. Well, I guess I, really yeah. hard at the box well, I'm not sure if I'm going to go see it only because, you know, I, I'm not sure that they really did. If you're going to do a biopic, I'm upset tonight because Hillary Clinton lied. I character and integrity means a lot to me. So I'm not sure how I could feel good about somebody who really was not held completely to account, who's been been branded as somebody, you know, who is a creative genius and based so much of it on theft. Well, see, right if now, like if, if that's your perspective, you need to see it because you will like it. Um, Seth Rogen's character, Steve Wozniak, at the end, actually, I'm not going to give away the line, but the last scene is great because it shows uh, well, well, all of his flaws. Well, speaking of the last scene, I, over and he admits to his flaws. Well, I got to go because I got to so, I got to wrap it there. We're, we're wrapping up this hour. I'm up against a hard break. So sorry for interrupting, but I got to leave it there. Hey, you're going to want to stay tuned for the second hour because we're going to get into some more economic stuff. We got the Bellatrix business block coming up and um, other topics. So don't change that dial. This is the Andrea K Show right here on AM 1170, The Answer. Thanks so much for listening. Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. This is hour two. Dose de dry. That's that's I'm out. That's the international language here on the Andrea K show. What other number twos you got for me? me. Yeah. <laughs> it's Japanese. Me. Oh, is that it? Is that right? Um, that's not necessarily a romance language, but hey, neither is German, by the way. 
Um, glad to have you all here with me. Before the break, we were talking about a movie review about Steve Jobs. My girl Valerie out of Vegas, man, she was hot. She was warm over that movie. She was so mad that he wasn't held to account for his thievery of Xerox. Um, you know, Timothy Shea was saying that, you know, Seth Rogen kind of put his foot in it. Well, I, I think that Seth Rogen and some others, the word is, have kind of redeemed themselves. Seems as though 190 actors have signed on to a petition against the actions of Hamas, which, you know, really should be a no-brainer. You know, I'm not even sure what the value of the petition is. But you know what? Let's give credit where credit's due because not every, you know, they're, you know, um, you know, when they when they do stand up for what's right, I think we ought to give them a little credit. Um, here's what the petition says. It says, and it was done by John Voigt. Love him. He's a true patriot. He says, we stand firm in our commitment to peace and justice. We must also stand firm against ideologies of hatred and genocide, which are reflected in Hamas's charter, Article 7, of which reads, there is a Jew hiding behind me. Come on and kill him. The son of a Hamas founder has also commented about the true nature of Hamas. Uh, Hamas cannot be allowed to rain rockets on Israeli cities, nor can it be allowed to hold its own people hostage. Hospitals are for healing, not for hiding weapons, and it goes on and on. We join together in support of the democratic values we all cherish and the hope that the healing and transformative power of the arts can be used to build bridges of peace. Um, That's wonderful, and I want to give them credit where credit's due. I think it's time that uh, the uh, those in Hollywood, though, start to. I've got some people in the industry. I'm not going to name names or quote anybody here. Um, I don't want to out anybody, but there are some conservatives up in Hollywood. Um, we're starting to have more productions for these friends and family of mine who work in the industry, and they might actually be able to spend a little time out here in California. We're actually going to have, for the first time in a long time, some TV shows produced here and, and filmed here, as well as even a movie, I think, is going to be you know, hey, it's Hollywood out here, right? The entertainment industry. No, they took the industry all around the world wherever there was better tax breaks because they're the kings and queens of trying to, you know, push for socialism. And, you know, I'm with Hillary and it's time for Hillary and J.J. Adams is having a fundraiser, you know, every weekend at his house up in L.A. And then um, when it comes time to actually, you know, do their movies, you know, they go everywhere else. Well, they voted themselves in some tax breaks some tax credits here, the, um, the left did. And it's actually keeping some productions here. So hopefully they're going to learn from that and go, gee, you know what? Um, The presidential candidates that are Republican are talking about the value of tax breaks for corporations. What is Warner Brothers? You know, what is, you know, United Artists? They're corporations. It's the business we call show. Uh, Right now, speaking of protests, there's been protests outside Quentin Tarantino's got a movie. Uh, supposedly, you know, he's been advocating for violence against police officers. I don't I, what what Quentin Tarantino is advocating for is is another box office winner because he hasn't had one since you know Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction, whichever one came. What came first was it Reservoir? Reservoir? Yeah, Reservoir Dogs first, and then Pulp Fiction. Oh, he might have had a winner after that. May, I, I'm not sure when Kill Bill came out. I think Kill Bill did well, but that, they was they were all what in the nineties. Okay, what have you done lately, Quentin? So I think he's just trying to drum up some publicity myself and saying dopey statements. Um, but then again, he's a lefty. I think it was a dopey statement for Hillary Clinton to talk about the VA. Let's get into a little economics. Um, you know, we're running down on Boehner's time as Speaker of the House. He's only got a small window here. He's got short-timers disease because he's on his way out. And his short-timer disease evidently is that of liberalism because what he wants to do on his way out with his short-timers disease is he's put together a package, a budget deal, which includes increasing the federal borrowing limit 
and, which is already at $18 trillion, and he wants to borrow more. Borrow more to pay for what? More Obama phones? It's, it, you know, I talked earlier about the economic illiterate in society who don't seem to understand that there's no such thing as government money. I think Boehner must be a part of that. You know, these, these career politicians have been in Washington on the dole themselves because these career politicians are being paid by your tax dollars, of which he is a part of spending now. Uh, this two-year, some people are saying, you know, look, this budget deal is going to actually help the presidential candidates, the Republican candidates, because this takes all the nasty fights off the table. We don't have to fight about, um, you know, government shutdowns and this and that. But no, you know, I, I'm not assuaged by that because, you know, we gave the Republican Party the majority in November of 2014 to actually curb spending. They did not have to. Meet, what did they do? They were given the majority to stop Obamacare, to stop the spending that was associated with the executive order for amnesty, and they turned immediately right down and uh, turned right around and funded everything Obama wanted. And now they've done it again for two years, past the presidential campaign. What are they even doing there? If you've if you've done this, then you might as well just pack up and go home, and we can stop paying all y'all back there in Congress because every time you do something, it's to the detriment of the American people. One of the reasons why they said they had to do this is because Social Security disability is, is going broke and it's not going to be funded at the end of 2016. Well, and and, and if they don't, that's going to hurt families of the disabled. Do you know who the majority, no, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know if it's the majority, but do you know who so many of the people are? The average age of a disability recipient from Social Security is in their 20s and is a college student. That's not what Social Security was supposed to be based on. It was supposed to be based on the government knowing what's best because that's what liberalism is and telling people that you need to give us your money to hold on to it for you so when you retire, you're not going to be left penniless. And little by little, the government doing what it does, they found more excuses to take more and more money from people and redistribute it around America. And as we had chronic unemployment after Obama, <coughs> after Obama took office, so many of the chronic unemployed gave up on trying to find work and went and filed for disability. And now we're looking at a disability system going broke because that's what happens with socialism. It's like Margaret Thatcher said, eventually you run out of other people's money and the Republican Party needs to wise up and stop. There's no daylight. And this is why the Republican people are saying, you know what, I'm kind of like it. I, I'm going to give Trump a chance. Don't tell me, you know, it was like Jeb Bush saying, well, Rubio's another Obama you know, on-the-job training. He hasn't been in office long enough. He's just been a senator for two years. You know what? Career politicians are a problem. They're not the solution. And we want to hear from somebody who's actually got a different mindset, who's, who actually, you know, sounds at least sincere about doing something different. Um, Ryan is going to be stepping in as speaker. Um, so far, I read a couple of articles that this poor guy, Ryan, we got a new speaker, but you know what? We got the same issue, and the issue is those far-right conservative people who actually want limited government, actually want to cut spending, and actually want to defund Planned Parenthood, those crazy extremist conservatives. This budget deal that Boehner is pushing was you know, pretty much written by Paul Ryan, Mr. Big Government Amnesty Guy, who a part of this had automatic across-the-board cuts, including the defense industry. Right now, with the way the world is going to hell in a handbasket and erupting in flames everywhere, we've got a Republican Party on board with with even across the board cuts, as though cutting, um, you know, programs for free Obama phones to people is the same thing as cutting our defense. You know, we've got both parties who don't seem to understand what the role of government is supposed to be, and and we need fresh blood 
to come in and change this. Not people who are going to try to turn us into the great, um, the great socialist experiment of Scandinavia. Um, a great article that somebody posted on Facebook for me. I don't want to get too much in the weeds with it, um, but it's about, um, you know, what did we hear from Sanders and Hillary? I mean, every time the left turns around, we heard this from Oprah years ago. She was over there in, in Copenhagen when that big climate change thing was going on over there. She went over there and did a whole Oprah show over there and because she just wanted to sell the American people on how great it was over there. What's the reality over there? Oprah herself was shocked because the average couple over there um, you know, has is only can only have one kid because they live in such tiny little government, you know, approved little apartment buildings that are smaller than her closet. She was like, where do you keep your stuff? And the gal was like, stuff? We don't have stuff. You know why they don't have stuff? Because they, they're all shoved in these little urban controlled, government controlled areas, told, you know, they gotta gotta ride on bikes because every aspect of their lives is controlled from the size of their apartments to what their thermostat is. Uh, Yeah, and in return, they get free college, not to mention the fact um, that uh, on top of their lives being completely controlled, their median income, according to this article, is lower than almost every state except Mississippi. Um, Their lives are crap. And on top of it, on top of economically their lives being crap, They've got a Muslim invasion over there that has completely destroyed the European continent. And that is a reality that has been documented. In fact, there were mobs in the street going on over there this week. Because, you know, what What? What did I say last week? You know, with all these, quote, refugees coming in. Report after report after report of just complete destruction and filth left everywhere. Because that's what they do. It's about conquest. And it's destruction and filth. That's the culture that they bring over there. And, oh, I guess, yes, they do celebrate. There was some celebration that happened over the weekend, one holiday of theirs. And the way they celebrated was trying to shoot a cop. And then when that didn't work, the cop got arrested the guy, the Muslim. And then the mob of Muslims came out and tried to, you know, overtake the police car. You know, that that's their idea of a celebration. That's what's happening over there in the great socialist Scandinavia over there. And that's what the left wants to bring here. We're going to take a break. We got more on the other side. We got more economics. We got the Bellatrix Business Block, which is a great guy um, who's doing stuff to, to bridge the gap between the millennial generation of the baby boomers in regards to business, because that's one of the ways that we're going to turn this country around, if we can, is through economics, it's through the small business. So don't change that dial, folks. We got more coming up on The Andrea K Show. sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K-A-Y-E. We've been hearing a lot about Uber lately, so we decided to get out there and talk to some actual Uber partners to get our questions answered. Is signing up to drive with Uber really hard? Nope. Signing up with Uber is super easy. It was simple and easy. Okay, but can I drive my own car? Yes, yes, yes. You get to drive your own car. But my roommate doesn't even have a car. Can she drive with Uber? They can help her get a car, too. I wouldn't be able to get a vehicle if it wasn't for Uber. It took me less than six hours to get a car. So you could just sign up and earn money. Sign up, drive, and you make some money. You're saying I can just use the smartphone app to make money whenever I want? Yeah, you just open the app whenever you feel like driving. All I have to do is turn on my phone, hit the road, and I start making money. Are the hours good? I work less hours and I make more money. I'm my own boss now, so I set my own hours. Okay, this all sounds pretty great. What do you think I should do? You need to sign up for Uber. You can make serious life life-changing money when you drive with Uber. Get started today at drivewithuber.com. That's drivewithuber.com. 
drivewithuber.com. Attention business owners. Does the thought of hiring a lawyer make your palms sweat? Do you worry about the day a lawsuit, audit, or other nasty surprise could threaten your entire livelihood? Trade in the sweaty palms for peace of mind. Bellatrix PC's Peace of Mind Plan gives you a lawyer for a low monthly price. Plan your legal compliance, get advice, and prevent problems. Sign up now at peaceplan.biz. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Outsource your worries. Peaceplan.biz. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Ooh, great song. Do you guys remember that movie from the 70s? I remember coming in one night and watching, uh, my older sister was watching it. She let me watch a little bit. I was kind of freaked out. Did you ever see that, DJ Carrot Sticks? Go ask, go, the movie? Go there was ask. a movie to this? No. You didn't know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, it came out in the late 70s, I believe. I don't remember who the actress was. They don't play it anymore, but you, it used to be uh, they had movies that just made like a regular rotation, and that was one of the ones. And it was based on a true story, this girl um, who got hooked on drugs. Back in, um, I guess it was in the 60s when she, when this happened, you know, during that generation and the me generation. A great movie. And that was what the theme song was from. I, my favorite memory of that song is they play it in Las Vegas during the Blue Man Group. The kind of like I love part- the Blue Man Group. I didn't know they played that. So it's like a partic- uh, audience particip- participation point of the show. And you see the lyrics come across the screen. Because you well, get every everybody, because it's such an upbeat song go ask alice she's a drug addict yay let's party my dad has the worst rhythm and tempo in the world so he's reading the words as as they're coming out instead of to the tempo of the song so he's like go ask alice with the right door with the door and said free your head free your head free your head (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome hey if you're just tuning in this is the andrea k show by the way glad to have you all here with me before the break i was talking about the lovely lips lip tartistan and what's going on over in the fantastic socialist that is Sweden over there. Uh, one of the things that's that uh, the left wants us to become like other countries. It's like greatest country. We were the greatest country, not by accident, ever. The youngest country rose to be the greatest nation in the land for a reason. It was called the free market system here. Okay. The U.S. Constitution, our entire system is what made us great. And since then, the left has been infiltrating us to do everything they can to turn us into every other system that has failed everywhere. One of the ways that other nations have failed is with, um, in a, failed in a variety of ways, was through gun confiscation. Um, now that's been a big thing lately with the left, quoting what Australia and Britain, because, you know, that basically the gun confiscation uh, happened against people's will. In Australia, they bought the guns back, but it was forced on you. Now, DJ Carrot Sticks, guess what's coming next? Not just a gun grab, but through the World Health Organization, we might be, we might be under threat of a bacon grab. Because the World Health, or you joke, but the, you're, you're looking at me like you don't believe me, but the World Health Organization had tipped Timothy Shea for turning me onto this story, this evil threat that's, that's lurking out there. The World Health Organization has labeled bacon as bad as cigarettes for your health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as bad as cigarettes. Like bacon, you know, like eat bacon for 20 years and you're sure to have lung cancer and die a hideous death. Really? I mean, that, you know, um, 
they say that it's actually it's not just bacon they're saying that all processed meats lead to cancer really now how do they know this todd is this the same scientist that actually believe in climate change that every time it snows i'm supposed to believe it's because of global warming you know oh and last week hurricane patricia the cat five that's supposed to destroy all of mexico oh that's got to be part of climate change and ended up not even doing a whole lot of damage but it's just more crap. What this is about, World Health Organization, that's about a one world order. It's always about trying to have, liberalism is about control. This is another way they're going to try to control us. They, liberals want to control every, this is what I would say if I was a Republican candidate. Liberals want to control every aspect of your life. Right down to whether or not you can even eat bacon. Did anyone think bacon was healthy though? And well, we knew you, bacon's unhealthy. Well, if you listen to Atkins, the Atkins guy, he's like, eat bacon all day long. There's nothing wrong with bacon. Stay away from bread. You know? Um, but now we're being told, go gluten-free. You shouldn't even eat wheat. And then for years, we heard that wheat was good for you because it was a grain. I say, eat what you want, people. The reality is this. There is no such thing as good foods or bad foods. You know, I've, I've been a size two for many, many, many years. There's no such thing as good foods or bad foods. I, and I got di- donuts right in front of me. You can work any food into your diet. It's about balance. You take in more calories than you burn, you're going to gain weight. You do the reverse, you're going to lose weight. Get up and move, put the fork down. It's real simple. I don't need the World Health Organization telling me what I can eat. Okay. Now, I want to get into another positive, upbeat story. Because we've got some cool, amazing people in San Diego doing some amazing things. And one is called the Life Lounge. And I don't even know what a millennial is. I've had so many conversations with people lately who are hiring people that are considered millennials and are just scratching their head because they are just a completely different you know, I came out right out of college and went to work for Xerox, which was an incredibly stressful, difficult job. And I was working side by side with people in their 50s. And there was no difference between those of us who were right out of college and our work ethic and our mindset and our approach to business than it was anybody in their 50s. But nowadays, there's a huge gap. And pe- some people are recognizing it and trying to do something about it so that everybody can work together successfully so that we can have successful businesses and turn the economy around. One is a guy uh, named Tim Owens, and he's got Life Lounge. And as part of the Bellatrix Business Block, which is brought to you in, with my partnership with Alicia Dern from Bellatrix Law, she helps me source great people who are doing cool things. And we had Tim Owens in, in here in the studio recently from Life Lounge. And so here he is. I'd like to welcome Tim Owens, who's uh, with Life Lounge. Are you the Are you the owner of Life Lounge? Is that right? I yes, I am. Yes. I guess you could say that. Okay, uh, so Life Lounge is here in San Diego, correct? Yes, and it's yep. uh, expanding. It's expanding. We're going to be expanding in 2016 and opening up Orange County and Los Angeles markets as well. Great. Well, tell us a little bit about Life Lounge. Yeah, Life Lounge. You know, Life Lounge kind of started as a uh, hobby, really, mm-hmm. and it started as a cross generational discussion. Uh, between leaders. they uh, I started doing the work with the Patent Foundation. I was invited to organize events for the Patent Foundation. And um, after the patent, Helen Patton decided that she was kind of not doing things here in the U.S. anymore because she was happy over in Europe, um, the events kind of went away after a year. And I kept getting calls and emails from folks. And they were like, when's the next cross-gen event? We had so much fun. When When are they? And so I kind of just took it upon myself and said, well, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And right. um, so you, saw, I, you saw a need and you filled it, basically, that, that's like exactly. all great entrepreneurs do. <laughs> right. So what, what do you mean by cross-generational? I mean, 
millennials and and yeah so we we get together we gather millennials xers and boomers so you could have like a 20 year old with a startup who maybe is in the entrepreneur program over at sdsu and you could have someone um who's a 70 year old ceo or retired ceo uh, mentor and then you get gen xers like myself who you know always find ourselves kind of in the middle between the two trying to balance and um and keep the peace really <laughs> right and so um you know, we'll do different things and breakout sessions and it just it's all about communication. And so it's really about creating a community where we can all relate to each other. And how can we be better leaders? How can we go out into our companies? A lot of us are business owners or executives. And how can we be better uh, leaders? And so you get us communicating. And a lot of times we poke and prod the conversations. Right. Um, what is the, what's the biggest difference that you see between the millennials and any of the other generations? Because I know what I'm hearing from people. I've got a friend of mine right now who's been hiring, and she says that the mindset is completely different from millennials than from anybody, any other age group, if you will, that she interviews. She says they just, I don't want to say anything negative, but they don't have the same sense of timing or some of the same attentions to detail. They don't have some of the same interperson, interpersonal communication skills. Right. What do you see as the difference? Yeah, I think that's absolutely, a, you know, a fair assessment. Um, we try to flush those thing, kind of things out as well through our communication. But, you know, what I've really noticed is, you know, we did an exercise at one of the events where we had um, boomers, Xers, and millennials break off and we, you know, mix them up into groups together. Mm-hmm. And we said, and we gave them a task. Hey, do this task. And what happened was the millennials... They were all about, let's just execute. And the boomers were like, hold on, hold your horses. We need to, we need to do some planning first. We some need an to, analysis. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and then, of course, the Xers were in the middle saying, well, you're, you're kind of right and you're kind of right. And, you uh-huh. know, and but that tends to happen. But I think, yeah, I think there's a, there is a um, sentiment out there that, that the millennials um, kind of care about themselves or they just kind of care about being in their own little space. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's totally accurate and true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I just had a friend uh, who's a business owner send me an email this morning telling me that he is hiring for a position and he had a, a millennial call him up. And he says, this is my experience every time you know, they call him up. And he says, do you have a resume? And they say, well, my mom's writing it. <laughs> he says, do you know, and then the millennial will just push him for information and say, oh, you know, can we do an interview just over the phone right now? And, and you know, as the boss and a, an older generation, we find that sort of offensive, mm-hmm. you know, that it's, sure. there's no courtesy there. And I just I think that there's just a, a, a disconnect with how people how they're communicating. Yeah. And I think, you know, and that's really the point of Life Lounge. Life Lounge is to bring people together so they they can communicate better. So right. the millennial gets it. And they go, well, this is how I should be talking or how I could be communicating better mm-hmm. with, right. with an Xer or a boomer and the boomer, the same thing. So what we found is, is that at least the millennials that come to our events, they, they really want, they're really like sponges. They really want to learn. And they, there's a certain level of respect right. there that they realize these people have been successful. They are successful. And so they're <laughs> looking for information. And then the boomers that come um, and the Xers, you know, we're looking for we know what's relevant today. So when you talk about, you know, those kind of experiences, right. I mean, that's relevant. It's relevant for us as leaders to understand, well, this is the, this is the new workforce. And, you know, mm-hmm. in 2025, that's going to be 75%, I believe of the workforce is, is millennial. So we need to 
adjust and we can sit there and say well you know they're not like us and they don't have manners and they don't have but that's who's coming in the workforce so right. we're going to have to do some adapting as or well. Or maybe right. they should get on board with our manners, Alicia. When I was coming well, out I of college, I did my research and my studying on every company I interviewed with, and I, I adjusted myself. Right, right. <clears throat> but that's an interesting point. Well, I, th- I think some of it is just, I mean, maturity. <laughs> I mean, there's some right. kids to some degree. I mean, I'm an expert yeah. too. And and uh, when I hire younger people, I try to mentor them and tr- treat them, uh, train them to work uh, within the culture of my business. Absolutely. Right. Well, that's that's another great issue too. So right? you've Culture. talked about exercises. What are some of the programs? Tell me about the events. How often they are? What happens at the events? How can people get more information? Right. So we can get more information by going to the site www.lifeloungesd as in San Diego dot com. Um, we do the quarterly events, so they're every quarter. And the format now we kind of switched to a new business model. It's going to be a membership model. Um, so starting January first, twenty sixteen, really the only way to get to an event is going to be uh, through invitation by a member. Um, and the reason... Ooh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it well, exclusive. You know, yeah, it is. You know, we're trying to create that, um, that it is exclusive, but we're trying to create a really core, we're trying to create our own culture, right? right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I always like to say it's for members by members. And it's really about, hey, I'll build the platform out and now you guys can shape it and you shape it by inviting your friends, inviting your colleagues, inviting folks that you want to actually mix and mingle with mm-hmm. and break bread with, you know? So the difference between our events, I think is the, is um, the quality, I guess, right. of the folks that come. We're serious about what we do, but we're not serious about life. So we like to <laughs> oh, have good. fun. Yeah. <laughs> your, your next event is uh, November 12th, right? November 12th is our next event. Uh, it, it's at SDSU. No, no, it's you know we teamed up with Pacific Sotheby's, so we always change locations. Oh. We we go into beautiful estates, courtesy of uh, Pacific Sotheby's. Oh, that's oh nice! Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that'll it, get you some membership right there. <laughs> I, I like to create a really great experience. I believe it's a, you know experiential, right? So I want I want to have we have top brands. We work with um, um, CBRE is sponsoring our mastermind session we have with our keynote speaker Scott Duffy. Scott Duffy uh, sold one of his companies, The Virgin, uh, to Richard Branson. Wow. Yeah, so we're excited to have Scott. Wow, uh, you've got some top, you know, speakers and experts. Absolutely. Last event in August, uh, we worked with uh, Brian Smith, the founder of Ugg Boots. He came out and was a keynote speaker. Yeah. Fantastic. How'd you get involved in this? You know, it, I just stumbled into it and uh, mm-hmm. I said, okay, you know, I'm, instead of it being a hobby, I'm going to make it a business and I really awesome. enjoy, mm-hmm. I enjoy it and I enjoy, it's my way too of giving back. And, um, right. It, so I, got, I have another question for you. How, how involved and how interested are the boomers in this? Because I think there's a real need for the passing down of that wisdom to the younger generations. You know, they really are. I mean, I just had a conversation with Brian Smith this morning and we were talking about it. And I think that's part of it is a legacy piece, right? right? It gives them an opportunity to pass that on. And here you have willing Xers and willing millennials that do want to listen. And we do have a level of respect, mm-hmm. you know, that we will listen and, and be gracious about it. And we also have a lot to give, too. And, and I think the boomers that come, they want to... Um, they, they want to keep their, their fingers still on, on the pulse. They want to still want what's, what's going on, what's relevant today. What are these guys and gals, you know, what are these kids thinking? Right. You know, and how can we, and how, really, how can we be better? You right. know, a lot of them sit on boards. A lot of them are involved in community. So. Right, right. I've uh, always been someone who's really big on the idea, and part of it is my corporate background, but the idea of continuous learning and learning from other people, mm-hmm. you know, I just love it. I just love everything that, 
that you're doing. Right. Well, you know, I, I've, you think about like the aging workforce and that's something that as an employment lawyer, we talk about a lot, like what's going to happen with the workforce as everybody starts to retire. Um, and if we don't have a mechanism for passing this leadership and experience down to the younger generations, then we could have, you know, some, some growing pains as a result of that. It's, I, I, look, you, you, you made some comments earlier and it is, I, I think it's our responsibility. Yeah. It's our responsibility to pass those best yeah. practices. Not down. to mention, though, since you're talking about business law, I'm thinking of all the different challenges that businesses face today with the regulations and the laws and everything that I would think that having a group like this would also be a great place to deal with all those issues that you face as a business owner as well. Right, Alicia? Right. I, I, I can really um, relate with the older generation saying, stop, we need to plan things. <laughs> you're just going to run right into a trap. <laughs> right. And yeah. you know what those traps are because that's what no, you do. I, most of them, but some of them through uh, through falling into them myself. Yeah. <laughs> Live it, learn it. That's right. Right. That's right. Well, look, members are going to have access to briefings as well. And those will just be uh, specific subject matter um, briefings. Right. So it could be on legal issues. It could be on accounting. It could be on tax. It could be whatever it is that mm -hmm. has to do with you, with your business or with right. life. Um, those things will be available to members as well. All great. those resources. Oh, great. Fantastic. Great. So if people want to uh, apply to join, uh, do, do they do they have to wait for uh, an invitation? Right now, it's open, and it'll okay. be open till January first. And then January first, it's uh, it'll be through invitation. So get in now. That alarm was—you got you got a window <laughs> before right. that alarm goes off on you joining. <laughs> See, I put my phone on airplane. <laughs> that That's okay. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, guys. Tell everybody I again it. one last time where they can get more information. LifeLoungeSD as in San Diego dot com. LifeLoungeSD dot com. Awesome. Thanks Thank so you. much. Thank you. Um, I just love what he's doing in those workshops. Uh, so I love so much about San Diego, the entrepreneurial spirit that we have here. You know, people who don't, you know, are, haven't really been here or spend any time here. I think the perception is, is we're just a big, you know, surf town. And yeah, that's a part of who we are. But we are the hub of the bioscience industry here in San Diego. This is a high tech town. We have multiple business incubators here in San Diego that are funded by venture capitalists because we've got all these incredible minds who have products and services they want to bring to market and they just need uh, you know some help to get that off the ground so we've got Evo Nexus we've got Com Nexus um, we've just got so many we've got so many people here in San Diego that you see on Shark Tank every time you turn it on from tower paddle boards to Bonafair you know you know, low calorie wine. San Diego is such a town for business and entrepreneurs. And as well as people who like Tim Owens have workshops and other services and ways to help entrepreneurs and help business owners. And I just love that because as much as I love politics, I'm also a business person at heart. And, you know, that's, that's one thing that the Republican party needs to do a better job of too, is the left has done so much to demonize corporations and to demonize businesses and business owners. You know, oh, we've got this whole war on women and, you know, income inequality. And we've got all these actors talking about income inequality and actresses who are making $20 million a film, you know, while their little makeup artist is probably getting, you know, $200 and driving home with a, with her bumper for her car dragging on the 405 all the way home and can't you know has to drive two hours one way to be able to you know live in a place they can afford okay uh no talk about that no talk about the income inequality going on in in, in the sports or or this and that it's directed at corporations and the republican party needs to get better at helping the american people to understand there's no such thing as government money 
The lifeblood of every dollar spent by the government comes from employees, comes from business owners. Those business owners take a risk. They risk and assume the liability. They they risk their life savings. They take out loans. They take out mortgages on their home. And if that business doesn't succeed, they lose every dime of that. They lose sleep every night because and, and lose and, and sometimes go hungry or don't, you know, pay the light bill or whatever so that they can meet a payroll so that they can put food in somebody else's mouth. The Republican Party needs to start speaking up for business because the left is all about destroying business. One of the ways they're about destroying business is through the climate change hoax. That's about uh, wanting to, you know, every aspect of it is is liberalism. The transformation is about tearing down our systems, particularly our free market system, and trying to turn it into one big centralized government income redistribution scheme. And the climate change is one way to do it. You know, that's one reason why they love that socialist Liptardistan Scandinavia, because they got everybody over there shoved into an urban area, controlled, told what they can drive, what they can eat, this and that. And in part because supposedly that's going to help the planet. An evil corporate-based America is destroying the planet and America is overdeveloped. And, you know, that's part of what Obama's all about. In this one world government, it's all about the spreading of mediocrity around the world because of resentment and greed of America having something going for itself. One of the ways that uh, they are transforming us with that is Obamacare. And so many of the American people who were economically illiterate and don't understand the most basics of economics bought into the lie that, you know, they should have free health care and that somehow with Obamacare, they were not they were going to get medical care for free somehow. You know, I don't know how they were able to convince the American people of that. Uh, Actually, they weren't, because if you remember back. Um, they weren't able to conv- persuade the American people to vote for it. Neither party wanted it, really. So the Democrat Party in, in power kind of did shenanigans uh, through different procedures in Washington to shove Obamacare down the throats of the American people. They had some help with John Roberts when it finally went to the Supreme Court. Then the American people kind of started to get a taste for what it really was, which is just government-run insurance. It does not mean you can have a you can have an Obamacare insurance card but not have access to see a doctor because they're not required, at least at this point, to accept Obamacare. It was an income redistribution scheme because the plan was it was sold as though um, 40 million people didn't have health insurance and this was a way for them to get it. They were banking on all these 20-something people signing up for it out of fear of having to pay a penalty if they didn't. And those younger people then wouldn't use the insurance and um, the other older people who were poor, I guess, would you know have insurance. And like every other liberal scheme, it fails. And in fact, the, the 20-somethings, a new report has come out. I think this is, is yes, from wall street journal editorial uh that it's failing because they it's about there's an impending collapse and this is something the republican party needs to get on they need to talk about what they're going to do to replace obamacare because it is collapsing they don't have enough people signed up for it to pay for it and what end what's ending up happening through these exchanges without getting too far into the weeds um the the equivalent there's something that's called um medical loss ratios and basically what it ends up meaning is that the insurance companies that are under Obamacare are spending a dollar 21 for every dollar that comes in and that can't continue and 
that's not something that's being explained to anybody. The Democrats aren't talking about what they're going to do to fix it. And I think it's because the Democrats are hoping it will implode. And then they can say, well, see, the issue is that we didn't go far enough with it. The issue isn't government run insurance. The issue is we didn't go all the way to single payer, complete government run. And that's what we need to do. So the Republican Party needs to get on board with explaining to the American people exactly how they're going to replace Obamacare and with what. Uh, One of the reasons why they need to do that is because forcing businesses to to provide insurance for employees and through Obamacare and all this was one of the ways that that they've been hurting American business. It's one of the reasons why we've got unemployment as high as it is. Um, If you got over 50 employees, there's a whole lot of Obamacare uh, regulations come into play so businesses are putting people under part-time employment so they don't have to they don't have to deal with it or they're not hiring people and staying under 50 employees so republican party do something tell the people you know everybody's talking about oh trump doesn't have enough specifics about his plan well neither do the rest of them romney didn't have any specifics in fact romney the other day admitted in an interview that Romney care in Massachusetts was what Obamacare was based on. So why in the world is anybody out there saying we, we need Romney? Why in the world did the Republican Party shove a man? It, there was no difference between him. And that's one reason why the American people are wising up and saying we like what Trump has to say. We like what Carson has to say, because they do present a clear difference between them and the Democrats running. Romney did not present a clear difference. He gave nobody any reason to vote for him. No wonder the evangelicals stayed home. There was no reason to vote for him. Would he have been better than Obama? Of course he would have been better than Obama. But at the time, Romney couldn't even articulate how he was going to be better than Obama. And when you can't articulate why you'd be better than Obama, uh, you know, why should anybody vote for you? I've got a question for you, DJ Carrot Sticks. What is a pansy? Um, what is a pansy? Well, I, someone that's not tough, like a weak person. Okay. Interesting that you should have that response. Did you hear, do you watch Jeopardy? No. That's not, not really anymore. your generation. That's not really your generation. You're too young for Jeopardy. Oh, I used to love watching Jeopardy oh, all the time with my family. That was one of our family activities. Uh, After dinner, it? we all sat around and watched Jeopardy. Yeah. I used to love Wheel of Fortune. That, that was my show. Wheel of Fortune. When I, I went up and saw a taping of that one time. Oh, did awesome. you? Oh, I've always wanted to go on that show. But I, you know, and, and because I get every puzzle at home, right? From the sofa, I'm dead on every time. So evidently on, on an episode of Jeopardy recently, the final question came about. And here was the final question. This is what it said. Give us the name of a flower um, by its picture. Name of the, this isn't making sense to me. I wrote it down exactly as it was. Name of the flower by its picture. And the name, they showed a picture of a flower. You were supposed to name what the flower was, keeping in mind that this flower was also a disparaging term for people on the left politically. That's how it was described. So this woman, you know, she's thinking about do, 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 do. She sees a picture. She sees a picture of a flower. She's supposed to name what the flower is based upon the fact that it represents a disparaging term for people on the left. So it's a total gotcha question, right? So she writes pansy. She, Alex Trebek multiple times says, oh, you know, uh, I think you may have just found a way to insult the liberals. Well, the very question was insulting the liberals. I mean, this is how, this is how intent 
the left and the Hollywood industry is in terms of, you know, beating people over the head with the political correctness. They set this woman up and, you know, she so she writes Pansy. Then she becomes completely under attack on social media. And, and the flower was, do you know what the flower was? No. A bleeding heart. Now, I've heard the term bleeding heart in relation to liberals. I didn't know that there was an actual flower that was called a bleeding heart. So, I mean, the you know, okay, it's bad enough the woman lost $6,000 with the bad, you know, final answer. But, I mean, you know, come on. Then she, then she, you know, she's probably in hiding somewhere. She probably needs to, you know, go out and hide some security, you know, because she's been completely excoriated on social media for that. I mean, this is how low the left has gotten to where they're setting people up who think they're just going on a game show, Todd. They think they're just going to go and compete in a game show and win some money. And little do they know that they're basically sitting on set with Chris Matthews from MSNBC and and, and a gotcha question. It's ridiculous. Shame on you, Jeopardy and Alec Trebek. Here's my final answer for you. What is a... No, I can't say it. I'll I'll put that on Facebook, what I was going to say. I don't want to get in trouble here at the station on KCBQ. Hey, we're going to take a break. (laughs) We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk one of my other favorite topics. Football. You should see Todd's face just then. (laughs) Hey, don't change that dial. This is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. This radio station exists to fulfill your insatiable appetite for news and information. If it happens here or around the world and it matters to you, we'll be the first to tell you about it and what it means. But that's not all. Our sister station exists to give your life meaning and purpose through the teaching of the Holy Bible. AM 1170, The Answer, exists to tell you about the world. K-Praise, 1210 AM, KPRZ, exists to change the world. Together, we can do it. Attention business owners, does the thought of hiring a lawyer make your palms sweat? Do you worry about the day a lawsuit, audit, or other nasty surprise could threaten your entire livelihood? Trade in the sweaty palms for peace of mind. Bellatrix PC's Peace of Mind Plan gives you a lawyer for a low monthly price. Plan your legal compliance, get advice, and prevent problems. Sign up now at peaceplan.biz. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Outsource your worries. Peaceplan.biz. Persecution against Christians has never been greater, all because of their faith in Jesus. And for those living in areas affected by ISIS, they're desperate for the most basic of needs. Right now, through the incredible ministry of Open Doors, you can provide food for a refugee family for an entire month with your gift of $50. Go to opendoorsusa.org radio. Your gift will provide life-saving nourishment for suffering Christians during their greatest hour of need. Please give today at opendoorsusa.org radio. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. We are closing things out. we got about 10 minutes left here. I've had a good time tonight. I had Craig Sewing on the show. I had my buddy Timothy Shea on the show. And 
the Bellatrix Business Block and Tim Owens, who's doing amazing work. And speaking of shows, what are you doing Wednesday night at 7 p.m., Todd? You're going to be here, aren't you? Yes, yeah, I'll be working doing, here. Doing what you do. Um, for those of you who don't have any plans, if you don't have anything to do on Wednesday night at 7 p.m., um, check me out. I'm actually going to be filling in. I've been doing a lot of guest segments recently on America Trends TV with the one and only amazing Dr. Gina Loudon. It's just been an honor and just a privilege and just such so much fun uh, to be on that show. I've been on, I think, you know, five last five weeks I've been on um, either Wednesday or Thursday night. This past week I was on Friday. And I'm, I've been honored with the chance to sit in as host of this week's show. So I'm actually going to be filling in, shaking in my shoes. I'm going to be filling in as the host for the hour. That's America Trends TV on U2 America Network. Hopefully you have it as part of your cable package. If not, hopefully you can find somebody who does have it. It's channel 186 here in San Diego on Time Warner Cable. Uh, Check it out. I'm not sure what the topics are going to be yet. I do think so far what I know is I'm going to have Christopher Hahn. He will be on as a guest. And you know him. He's been on my radio show. This is the first time, uh, you know, I will have talked to him live, you know, face to face, actually. He should be shaking in his shoes if he's going to be debating me face to face. And then also, guess who else they have coming on? None other than Alfonso Rochelle from Zone Nation. Do y'all know who that is? You don't know who Zone Nation is, Todd? No, I don't. You need to get out of the booth more, brother, because that dude is like serious. He's the one back in 2012. He was like, look, he's African-American. He's like the Republican Party wasted an opportunity when they let Herman Cain get run out by some skeezy women that were set up by the Democrats to, you know, make some accusations against him. I mean, good grief. The left is running around, I mean, having affairs all over their women, uh, you know, in front of their women. And, you know, some accusations and Herman Cain, you know. So anyway, I don't, we don't need to go too far down that. But anyway, Zoe. Uh, will be on and I'm not sure what else is I'm going to keep y'all posted on that so definitely try to try to tune in give me some support and some love on that and thank you so much to Dr. Gina for giving me this incredible opportunity it's truly an honor so that's coming up Wednesday at seven um I was going to try um to um ask the producers of the show of Dr. Gina's show America Trends I was going to see if they could finagle that guy Nick Hardwick former charger who's got a tv show called behind the bolt have you checked that out todd no i haven't that but that guy is awesome nick he, hardwick's one of my favorite uh, ex-chargers oh yeah he's amazing so i was going to ask the producers of the show to see you know if they knew him to see if they but his show was on wednesday nights behind the bolt at 9 30 so um because you know it's like i am just what do you have to say about the char- humiliated this is, for those who don't know, the Chargers and the Raiders, that's our big rivalry. And it's a huge game for us. I don't like, even like to go sit in the stadium anymore because in years past, I mean, you know, if the Raiders lost, which typically they did, you know, you got to be careful on your way out. I mean, those are some serious fans. Um, we, they humiliated us. The score didn't really tell the story because, I mean, they basically st- sat back and kind of let us, you know, have some points at the end. They ran us up and down like... We was just some third graders. Yeah, they were doing whatever they wanted to do. They wanted to pass. They passed. They wanted to run. They ran. Yeah. So I was at the game. That was. Oh, terrible. you went? Oh no. Spent one hundred and thirty dollars to sit in like a bunch of Raider fans. It was terrible. <laughs> I hated it. Were I, you- I wanted. I was. I was going to leave early, but I go. No, I spent this money. I'm going to stay to the very end. But I mean, they were 
it was it was practically like nah, 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 nah we beat you you know pointing at me and stuff, you're lucky so. that's all that that went on you're be glad they were in good spirits yeah. you know really um but you know seriously i think you should demand a refund because quite frankly you know it you know a performance that bad deserves you know i mean come on chargers was pretty bad and then i don't know what hurt more still more the loss or the news that the team said that they are going to file to move to carson and, and, and well after that performance i don't know how many people are going to be particularly sad about that i mean really i mean they didn't play with any heart honestly but you know what i really think in, in part somebody said to me it's because you know what these players all make so much money they don't have the motivation you want i'm starting to get more and more into college ball because that's where the heart is you know these these boys are out there trying to you know hoping they're gonna they're playing for their school so they got that team pride in a way that you know players i mean i found out i was like miles austin is playing now for the eagles or somebody you know he's, I, he, he's not playing for dallas anymore there's such musical chairs there's not that sense of pride for your team anymore Plus, these boys in college are trying to get to the NFL, so they got something they're really pushing for. That's where the heart is. So go Tigers, LSU. We're still undefeated. We may be going all the way. In fact, there was one poll that came out, Todd, not the BCS knuckleheads, but another one that said the real number one team in the nation is not the Ohio State. It's LSU, baby. That's wow. right. Mm-hmm. All right, so I got about five minutes left. I, I got to get to a serious topic. I usually like to end on something a little bit lighter, but I don't want to miss an opportunity here. Um, to talk about an issue um, that hasn't been getting a whole lot of play lately. we got to keep some focus on this because we had the President of the United States turn down a defense funding bill last week. These are treacherous times for the military. If we keep some focus on this on social media, let our elected officials know, and especially Trump and the people running for office. Trump's on this. Trump, you know, Trump said the other day, when, and I'm talking about the, the threat that we face around the world with radical Islam and what's going on in Syria um, you know, um, Spiegel did an, an article, Der Spiegel online had an article called The Iranian Project. Thank you to Peggy for posting this. The truth about uh, why Assad allowed Russia to get involved, and it's because basically it's the same reason the store owners gave Don Vito money. It wasn't for his olive oil business. It was for protection uh, because at this point um, they allowed the Iranians um, to come in, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard to come in, Assad did, and help, and, you know, help prop him up. But the problem now is that these are the same Shiites who basically were behind the internal rev- revolution to take, knock the Shah out, and to, you know, have victory over the Sunnis and instill the most radical form of Islam. And that's what's taking place over there right now. And that's what is being brought here to America through these, quote, refugees. Islam is about conquest. The definition of Islam is submission. I cannot let a show go by to where I don't remind people of that. Hat tip, I think it was last week I read about a, a quote from the mayor of Denmark, uh, of, of a town in Denmark, who was talking about how they needed to get the Muslims out of that country. They needed to close the mosques down. It is not a religion. It is a political ideology, one of terror. This is why Assad has brought Putin in. Putin Putin sees it as an opportunity to take more territory himself. Uh, so it's not because he just loves you know, the Syrians so much. Um, but, you know, we, you know, we need not one Republican really uh, has, has said it in the way that it, Trump is starting to go there. Trump is starting to get to the point to where he's saying, you know, we can't allow this. To, he's saying at this point we need to close the radical mosques. Um, we really need to close them all down. We need somebody willing to stand up and say, say this is not a religion, so they don't get the protections. Uh, Valerie Jarrett said when she was a student at Stanford that 
going forward in her life, she was going to use our religious freedoms against us. And that is what is taking place. We, Trump, so far, I'm not willing to completely back him at this point, but he's the first one to say it. And that alone has him right now at the top of my list because I think that that is the greatest threat that we face as a nation right now. And I couldn't let a show, I liked in on something more positive and light, but I couldn't let a show go without mentioning that. So again, speaking of light, I'm going to be on Craig's Sewing Show tomorrow, so you're going to want to listen to that tomorrow night at 6 p.m. here. Wednesday night, I'm going to be on America Trends TV, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Find you to America Channel. Also, they tweet out a lot during the show, as well as on Facebook. So follow me on Twitter at Andrea K5. I'm on Instagram now, Andrea K Show. I've got my fan page. Please like that there. And let's keep the conversation rolling because I always want to know. I always try to do topics that mean something to you all out there. Um, who's playing the, in the Thursday night NFL game? Uh, who played tonight? Was it was it, Car- it was, um, uh, Arizona, Arizona and who? And somebody. <laughs> Arizona and somebody. In the minute we have left, can you Google that for me and tell me what the score is? I don't think it's anybody anybody cares about. My Saints won, by the way. We beat Indy in Indy. I don't think that score really told the whole story there, but I might be having a comeback with my Saints. We're three and four, baby. Yeah. The Cardinals beat uh, the Ravens. The Ravens. Okay. Well, Baltimore's not having much of a year. Anyway, hey, Thursday night game is Miami versus New England. Okay. Miami just ran all over somebody uh, on Sunday, like 40 something to. uh, Who did they play Miami on Sunday? I'm not too sure, but uh, Lamar Miller came to came to town on that one. Like 30 points on my fantasy team. Oh, awesome. Congrats on that. Hey, thanks so much for sharing this time with me, you all out there. I love you so much. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K Show. Friend me on Facebook. Like my fan page. I'm on Instagram. I'm everywhere. Wednesday night, America Trends TV, 7 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube America Network. Have a great night, everybody. Love you all. The Andrea K Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K.